0: I'm a fighter, I'm a competitor, I wanted that business, I wanted to grow that business and I went in big, I put a million quid, house on the line, I went in all in and I went after that business.
1: The Architects of Business on Joe, in partnership with the EY Entrepreneur of the Year programme, telling the story of Ireland's leading entrepreneurs across the island of Ireland. There is coffee coursing through the veins of my guest today, and others like him should be thankful for helping to stimulate a caffeinated revolution. This is the Architects of Business Joe's series of interviews with leading entrepreneurs who have brewed up a storm in their sectors. Our programme is made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. I'm Ty Gennrise, and today I'll be talking to David McKernan, founder of Java Republic. David is a coffee purist. No sugar, please, and no
0: syrups, creams or toppings either. To put in whipped cream, syrups, anything with sugar in it, you're just destroying yourself. They're just loaded with sugar and carbs. And it just to sell those to kids, it's wrong. Java Republic goes to the front line to sort its coffee, and the picture is not pretty. Coffee is really horrific in terms of what... The farmer gets, they're paid less than a dollar a day if you're picking coffee. The
1: business is 20 years old and although there have been plenty of offers, it's not
0: for sale. I've given my life, best part of my life, I'm 50 this year, so I've given 20 years to Java public, 12 years prior, prior to that to this experience. So you try and buy the business. Today we'll hear how
1: David took on a monopoly, weathered recessionary storms and hear what puts a pep in his step. David, thanks very much for coming in and uh, sharing a cup of coffee with me today. What uh, part do you think you played in the coffee revolution in this country?
0: I'm glad I didn't know that question. Um, 30 years started in 1987 and I worked for Bewley's. And during that, that, I had 12 fantastic years there. So I saw the growth of coffee from instant or nothing to fresh ground and I developed a brand called Café Scala that gave me a view or maybe the confidence of good my own back in, I think it was about eight or nine years in the, and then I created Java Republic in 99 so Java Republic is 20 years old next year and I've had some influence on it I don't know I got influenced by Pete's which is a, a dark roast pro- process in the states they've they're going through a bit of a wobble at the moment um, I think I come way behind Starbucks but in the Irish market, I'd say I'm one of the... Actually, I am. I think I'm the longest in the market for a long
1: time. So wh- when do you think that kind of coffee revolution began? You talked about the 30 years ago when you started
0: at Beauty's. Was it underway then? 87, yeah. We had people... 87 to maybe 90, we had people coming back from the States. That are. That's what I remember. And saying, have you been to Starbucks? And to get a flight into the States at the time was ferocious. To travel to the America was a big was a big trip, uh, as I could have... Uh, maybe maybe the cost of it was putting us are prohibitive, but um, people coming in from the UK had gone to the States before us, and then the Irish business people or the people who live there want to come home to families. And I think that had a huge influence. We're very close to... It, it was the East Coast, but the West Coast is where it developed, which is California, generally. And I think... I think it happened around then we, were, we weren't we were near Celtic Tiger times but people got a taste for fresh ground coffee So you think actually it's all down to Starbucks? I would give Howard Schultz he has 37,000 stores around the world I would give him so much credit for what he did because I know his story very well um, happened to meet him once he wasn't that pleasant to us and he has been incredible he brought he brought it to the to the masses He brought coffee to the masses, and I think that would have taken a long time before people thought it was a profitable project because food is hard.
1: but from his perspective and even from your own, because you, you have got you 're in the cafe business as well, you know is it the the product is it the coffee or is it the space Because the big thing with Starbucks is it's they call themselves the the third space halfway between the office and uh, and home, another place to to be
0: yeah um he created that term the third the third space, but I think the third space has been copied by hotel foyers. look at the offices you guys have. I mean I think that was part of it, but I think the experience of having coffee being allowed to sit there as long as you wanted. I think the internet has had a huge influence on the Starbucks because they give free free internet. Now they're giving free toilets. so they've gone through I think they've gone through their changes. they haven't they never got food right. They have got it right in some parts of the States, I believe. I haven't seen their new um, roasteries. But I I think the, the space, the environment, they're brilliant on design. But the coffee, coffee is an addiction very few people will tell you that but it is an addiction you need coffee if you want your, it's, it, part of it's the caffeine but there is and there's a social side of it. but and not because I'm in the coffee business and it's a good addiction by the way coffee has now become healthy where I didn't believe it was for a long time and if you overdose on coffee it has its effects on your heart but um, coffee has been you know, it's had 32 years of straight growth I don't give them all the credit there's hundreds of smaller guys and in Ireland we have a whole wave of specialty stores but the the Starbucks if you were to give anybody the credit for it, what Howard Schultz did because he took you know he, he and the guys who owned that who one of the guys helped me in originally um, they had Pete's he had a choice of Pete's or Starbucks and he took Starbucks and he had a vision and he had serious balls to make this work so I mean you're in the business not primarily
1: of, of, of having people in your coffee shop it's it's sourcing and roasting and selling great coffee be it yeah. to, to other retailers or or in retailers uh, from your perspective, um, what is it that makes a really good quality, great tasting cup of coffee?
0: I think the environment. I think you walk into the environment. I think people I, people like to go back to the exact same experience they had the day before. They have three euros or three euros fifty to spend. It's Some people have that exact, because we have two stores and you watch people, you watch consumers. Somebody just has exactly that or business people put on credit cards. So they're probably, they would be, they would vary. But location is everything. In a lot of cases, location for coffee. But I think the experience of the barista is essential, that you actually know the girl or the guy behind the counter. I think if you know the barista and they know your coffee order, it's like going into the bar in the past. And Irish people love that f- welcome and mm. the fact that you're known. I think that is, that is a huge part of it. The environment has to be clean, trendy, but location with coffee is a huge part. But what about the... Um you know, the aroma and the notes. Is coffee a bit like a... The notes and the aroma. Look, there's, we're drinking a coffee. There's 10 types of beans that could go into that from quality coffee to poor quality coffee. Everybody has a favourite coffee. Coffee has gone from medium to dark roast down to lighter roasts. I do prefer lighter roast now. I was always a darker roast. I drink maybe three cups of coffee a day. Um, I drink it without sugar and I'm nearly going off milk. So notes are really important, your flavors, but I think the whole provenance of the coffee, the story of the barista or the owner of the cafe, I think all of those things, and the recession has been brilliant for an independents. I mean, there's the fumbly around the corner that would never have got off the ground three or four blocks in towards Grafton Street. So there's a huge amount of independents. I must have passed six on the way over from Gildare Street today. So you've got all these independents, they all have different types of coffees and it's going to grow it's going to continue to grow because it is, it is it is it is it's a habit it's a fantastic social it's a fantastic business mechanism to sit down and have a coffee and it breaks down those barriers or builds up fun and social Excitement and coffee is it's it's still it's still the, yeah. the talked about product. It brings people together. Yeah. Um,
1: you were mentioning there actually you've started going off milk. I've always drank my coffee black. Um, occasionally I'll, 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 I'll adulterate it with a like a latte or a cappuccino or something like that. But well, what's your view on kind of people who like load up on whipped cream and toppings
0: and I think caramel sh- syrups shocking. shocking. I think it's junk. I mean, the Starbucks frappuccino. One of my kids ordered it last year and I refused to buy it. We're in California. And there's either 390 or 500 calories. Probably more. I think think you're closer with 500, hundred, not you? They're killing themselves. I'm big into into selling... Look, coffee, coffee is a drug. In one sense, it is a drug. You've got to be careful how you talk about it. But to put in whipped cream, syrups, anything with sugar in it, you're just destroying yourself. And I am absolutely anti anything to do with frappuccinos or anybody's drinks that are the, you know, they're just loaded with sugar and carbs. And it just, to sell those to kids, it's wrong. Listen, tell me back to the very
1: beginning. You you worked for, you know, in the hallowed halls of Bewley's, one of Ireland's most kind of uh, iconic brands. Um, what was it that made you strike out by yourself?
0: I had about eight or nine years, kind of got a bit of disillusioned. I mean, when you're working in a company, you see politics, you see... Um, I had two fantastic MDs, and a huge time for the owner, which is Paddy Campbell, Paddy Bewley and a guy called Tom Brennan. So had a very close. It was, it was, it was, to me it was a family. I, I went straight from school into into beauties, which hindsight probably a mistake. I should have gone to college, but I didn't have the. I had the ability, but I just was. I just wanted to get out and make money. And then when I did a, I launched a brand, and I realised this is interesting. I saw the, the change in coffee, and I saw so many people thinking this is an interesting business. But we didn't know whether it was a fad. Coffee because coffee was going through it was, the negativity around health was very, very strong in coffee for my first eight years. And then one day I decided oh, I'm going to go out on my own. And it actually happened. I was up a mountain with my brother walking, and uh, he said to me, You should go out on your own. And I said, Okay. And he said, You should stay in coffee, which was another, that was a, a, a very, a very lucky decision because once I got into coffee, I stayed in coffee. Once you had the 12, I had 12 years by the time I left. So I just decided I'd jump out. And then the process of doing it, I didn't do it the right way. It was hell to try and get it up off the ground. But I just felt that I was—I had enough experience in sales, enough experience in marketing. I thought I could lead a team. I didn't know what that meant, though, at the time. And I just decided to jump out do in 98.
1: you n- talk about a close relationship with the, with the people that ran Bewley's. But do you ever think they kind of missed a trick? I mean, if you were seeing things happening across the Atlantic in Starbucks rapidly opening little cafes three in a street and there you had Beauleys with all its kind of you know uh, iconic big cafes in the city centre in many city centres did they miss a trick in not kind of yeah they moving did in on they, that did. they miss,
0: uh, many tricks but the problem was it's easy to look back and say we did i was part of that team so i'd never say we missed the whole coffee growth and the guys who did it i think there was uh, there's a couple of guys who set up chains and they followed what was going on in London because London developed because a lot of the, probably the private equity guys were coming back to London and they saw what was going on at Starbucks. They got it off the ground. Beulies had a franchise model which was a disaster. And that actually had an effect on me over the years That they said, look, never franchise because people have asked me every day, will you franchise your cafes? And I said, no, because I saw what happened to the franchise model in Ireland. The problem was that you have a historic brand. Now I know guinness have done a major job and i'm like i love a pint of guinness they did a major job if you if you similar brands with with the heritage but they had a catastrophic plan to grow the cafes they also had a, a problem with me and i was running their wholesale business so we were competing in the marketplace it's a small market dublin ireland is too small to have um, one brand and then also then I have satellite cafes they missed the boat absolutely completely missed the boat but when you're in the business and you've got cafes and they had they had Campbell Bewley it was the Campbell Bewley group it's very easy to look back the mistakes were probably not sticking to what they should have done because if they stuck to what they did which was coffee they would still dominate the business and they don't and no one dominates it anymore they're the second sorry we're the second they're the largest so I'd love to say yeah they made loads of mistakes like they 've opened up Grafton Street they 've put in millions and millions into Grafton Street. is that a mistake it 's a bit of a legacy It is a fantastic experience. I like it. I actually love going in there because if it 's not a Bewley's and I would fight like hell in the mark of beaulies it 's going to be a zara i don 't want an Oxford street in my city. so mm-hmm. I think you know they 've made up they 've made mistakes they 've done very well they 've got through um, like, <laughs> you know we got we, ha- we we went bankrupt seven or eight years ago, so anybody who got a heritage brand. You know, the, the strategically on the market side, they probably didn't get it right, but mm. you know they are where they are.
1: So, as you point out, they're, they're they're not leaders anymore, and that's got something to do with you. Um, what?
0: Yeah. What I, did you do? What did you set out to do differently to them? I think the word transparency, and I would have always gone into understanding what was in the case of coffee, where the coffee came from. I mean, I didn't do origin trips. I'm just back from Rwanda, and it's still sticking with me what I saw in Rwanda three two weeks ago. Um. We talked about transparency. We did some really good work on a design with a guy called Brandon Donlan. Spent a year planning the business. And what everybody underestimates getting into business, I actually spent a year from 98 to 99 working at home. I lived in Selbridge. And it was hell because I ran out of money after three months. I was waiting for an Enterprise Ireland grant, and Enterprise Ireland were fundamental in putting the plan together for me. They were just fantastic at the time. You know, I went out aggressive. The roaster I bought back in 99, no one has even, with a, we've had 100 new people into the business. No one has ever bought a 60 kilo roaster. So I went in aggressive after Beulies. <laughs> yeah, I worked there I a fantastic 12 years. But I'm a fighter. I'm a competitor. I wanted that business. I wanted to grow that business. And I went in big. I put a million quid house on the line. I went in all in. And I went after that business. And everybody either wrote me off or said, maybe a man is mad enough or passionate enough, he'll get it. And we got through. But I look back and I think, if I didn't pick coffee, like 32 years straight growth, it might as well have gone into the oil business because everybody needs oil. I didn't know everybody's going to need coffee. But if you didn't grow a business and make money, in the early days, gobshite. You've been classified as like absolutely... Just a poor business person, you know. But is that
1: because you're so passionate about coffee? Because, I mean, we've had lots of people in that chair who are what you call serial entrepreneurs. And they start a business, have a great idea, steward it for a few years, and then push it off to, to, to someone else.
0: And that's not you. No, I'm definitely not a serial entrepreneur. I've done nothing else. And I don't even invest in anything else. Just I was always into coffee when I got to understand it. And I'm the only guy I know of the say the and the reason we're here is because of Ernest and Young. But back in 2002, there was maybe 22 of us, and it was the early days of of, of Ernest and Young. Those guys have sold out numerous times, or they've gone. A lot of them lost their businesses in, in in the recession. I am madly passionate about the coffee. We have an opportunity every six months to sell the business. I got myself into so much debt in seven, sorry, eight and nine, that it was impossible to do a deal because I would have got absolutely screwed. But I am. I'm madly passionate about the coffee, and it's the difference. It's not because I'm passionate. There's a community in coffee that is rare, and when you go into coffee, you can't get out of it. It's just, it's 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 the baristas, it's the environment. There's a show on in Amsterdam on Thursday and Friday. I actually can't wait to go around and see and taste coffees. There is something special about coffee. It's a little bit like wine, but it's not as close-minded because Irish people, business people in Ireland, are very close-minded and they're very. Um, they just don't share. If you travel out to Europe, you travel to the States, they'll open up about their business. So it is a bit—it it is a madly passionate business. But look at the opportunities. You go to—I get to Africa three way, two weeks ago. I was in Rwanda for, with six people for for a week. You don't get that in the other businesses. And then you can go to—you can go to the East Coast or the West Coast. You go to Amsterdam. That's where the show is on. So there's a there's a part of coffee that is very different to other businesses. And what I've taken the money, those times that the money was interesting is it a family business it's not a family business but there is a time for Java Republic to to go on to the next level which is if we got a huge investment it could because we've done very well we've a very strong brand in Ireland much stronger than anybody else's brand including Beulie's or any of the rest because it's not it's not an Irish brand I did everything I could in 98 to 99 and even before that I was thinking 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 about the brand where could it fit so you know I've, I've, I've done it for 20 years do I like it um I still love the business, I love the business, it's just to walk here today and you see all the independents, and tasting coffee with you today, and tasting the notes as you call them. I mean it is a beautiful business. But if you have those offers every six months as you
1: say to sell up, I mean there must come points, especially if you are not doing, if you're at a low point in the cycle where there's a temptation, or even perhaps you feel like there might be a a necessity to actually accept one of those offers.
0: One of the problems with, I don't think it's Irish entrepreneurs, but people like me believe I've given my life, best part of my life, I'm 50 this year, so I've given 20 20 years to Java Republic, 12 years prior prior to that experience. So you try and buy the business. (laughs) Impossible. I probably don't have have enough money. No, but you mightn't have enough money. But even if you did, even if you were a billionaire like the last guy, the, the expectations I have on the business is just enormous. And they're one of the. That's one of the problems. The other thing is the reason. So I don't have um, a reason to sell it. If I had a reason to sell it, but I saw some reason. There are things that just happen. You get advice. It might happen. It might not happen. But you'd want to have. Um, you'd want to have deep pockets. No, in Ireland learning about it. Um, and I also wouldn't give it to anybody because if you know, it is a. It's not one of my children, but it's not far off it. It's something you just want to care for. And there's a lot of people behind it, by the way. There's ninety ninety people that you'd love to see it to something you know you'd love to see it being minded and invested in and brought out to the next level
1: fascinating stuff Davis. do stay with us because still to come on the architects of business I'll be asking David McKernan about the fairness and the future of the coffee industry you're listening to the architects of business on Joe in partnership with EY entrepreneur of the year visit EOY.ie to find out more about the programme and this year's finalists Get in touch, mail us on the architects of business at joe.ie. David, who do you see as your, your, your competition
0: these days? There's so many, I'm getting confused. Um, there's about 100. When I opened up in 99, there was really a monopoly of Bewley's or a duopoly of Bewley's and Robert Roberts. Now there's about 130 people selling coffee in Ireland. Now that's the whole island of Ireland, which is Northern Ireland down to Southern Ireland. So the competition is. Sometimes it's ourselves, we just don't seem to understand where the market's going. So we do a lot of shows, we do a lot of origin trips, there is a huge amount of independent roasters open because there's no barrier to entry. The other problem is baristas, when they get sick of making coffee for either nice customers or demanding customers, they have nowhere else to go. So you open up a store or you say, right, the easy one would be to open up a roastery and sell wholesale coffee. because what a lot of people don't understand about it, the food business it is horrendous on your lifestyle so being a chef being running a food operation is really hard so buying a, or setting up a small roastery you know you could do it for fifty thousand. you could raise it from crowdfunding or you could raise it from family or friends or whatever you get your money whenever you need to do it you do it um so there's a lot of people piling into coffee it's like craft brewers and um, no consolidation and there's no collaborations and it's you know, Ma- well maybe no consolidation
1: yet I suppose but I mean how much of it is, 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 is a branding exercise you know how much of
0: it is about the coffee and how much of it is actually just getting the right logo I'd say on the cup I'd this say is, this is my view on it right and it's, I'm obviously in the business so I'm kind of bent towards our view but there hasn't been another coffee company this year that does an origin trip a lot of them don't get the farmer side of it because it's a horrendous industry it is as it's not as good as slave labour. It is absolutely slave labour. These people are eking a living out on... I mean, what we saw in Rwanda was pretty good because there's nobody starving, but it's a really hard business. And then when you get to the coffee side of it, we market coffee to death. Now, they're good. The guys, the small speciality guys are very good, and, and I have great admiration for a lot of them because they did what... Not so much what I did, but they did what they did themselves and they set up their own businesses. But there's a huge gap between... When you go to an origin uh, country like Africa particularly Africa is really bad, and Central America is as bad, but not as really as bad as Africa, and you see what 's going on, and then you say right they 're getting a good standard of living, but a lot of them are not making money that 's the problem and and they they're, they're entrepreneurs or they don 't see themselves as entrepreneurs they see themselves as business people whatever they want to see themselves as, but they 're doing a good job in independent cafes it 's a very hard business, so the competition is continues to open up i think. The rents are going back to where we were in eighties, maybe, maybe. I'd say prior to where the where we hit the recession. I think they're gone back up to where they are, where they were then. And people want personal guarantees, and they want, you know, the big guys are going to get these spots. But I think the shine has gone off the Costas and the Neros and the Starbucks. If I was opening a place, and I didn't want to give it a Java Republic or give it to say, not they say it was trying to be independent. I'd give it to an independent person and you would bake. Would give me good food, good soups, good salads, and really good coffee. But what's it? I mean, it's undoubtedly very kind of
1: noble that you're going out there to the Rwandas of this world and seeing the the industry on the for on the front line. But how does it make you a better businessman?
0: I don't see it as noble. Um, it doesn't doesn't make me a better businessman. It could make us it make us seen as. Um, some people try to market the origin trips. We do it. We do it this time. We did it really well about Rwanda. But the, the reality is, you're not being a better businessman. You're just doing the right thing, and the right thing is understanding where your coffee's from, paying a good price. Don't give charity because we got killed on that so many times. Buy a decent coffee. Rohanga is where this this area was in 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 um, Rwanda. I don't think it makes you a better business person. I think people believe in the company. Our ethics in Java Republic have been very strong for years. We give away an awful lot in terms of the social side of our business. We're good employees or employers. Um, but buying coffee right is a big thing that the, a lot of small guys don't get. It They just don't get how harsh it is out there, and consumers haven't a clue. And fair trade is there and all these other guys, but they've all been kind of pushed aside. There's no one really pushing how hard it is and the reality of coffee pricing because there's a lot of coffee at the moment in produ- production and the consumer demand is huge but it's still, you know, the big guys are still selling absolute junk coffee and buying it as cheap as they can and that's the real. You, know,
1: you point out fair trade, I mean that's a, a certification that people are used to seeing now on, on, on coffee and, and chocolate as well and everywhere. maybe some other things as well mm. that, I, that I don't know of. Sugar, do bananas. To, all, all of them. Do you, mm. do you think to consumers really know what it's all about and, and if they don't actually is it a failure of the people behind that certification for not educating them enough
0: i think there was a huge group of people who created fair trade um but then fair trade became the rainforest alliance it became oots Cafe. so all these logos and labels and where fair trade made a catastrophe it was giving it to nestle giving it to cabarets and then you know these guys were bought over Calvary's have dumped them there, haven't they? Yeah, Calvary's have dumped but Calvary's is owned by the origins the company bought. Calvary's is a cigarette business. I mean, ethics, there's just no ethics, in, in, in chocolate is a shocking business. But it's nothing like coffee. Coffee is really horrific in terms of what the farmer gets. They're not farmers, they're just, I call them slaves, but to try and make it real, they're just, they have this cash crop they might get 80, and in the, in the case of two weeks ago, they got 80 or 90 euros a year they're paid less than a dollar a day if you're picking coffee. But Fair Trade did its best. It's doing its best. It's just I think it's 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 gone stale and unfortunately um there's no one shouting about it. Now to be fair to Starbucks, they buy good coffee. You mightn't think so when they put it through fully automatics in the in house experience, but they do buy ethical coffee. They they won't leave themselves open to being caught like the clothes companies and the Nikes of this world. But um it's doing the right thing. It's not it's not trying to it's just if you go out there and it's not that hard to get out there but it is it about marketing the question you asked earlier is is coffee coffee is a huge amount about marketing and milk masks an awful lot of poor coffee and baristas make the whole experience really good and then there's the real ethical guys and the real passionate guys who buy just pure specialty coffee and specialty coffee is a really way of making a good living but it's very hard to certify it it's very hard to buy the land to actually police and, and and get the quality right i mean the the question here's the one question they asked us when we were over there two weeks ago this lady got up and asked one of my own colleagues yolanta she wouldn't ask me because i was a man and does this shite that you've delivered in africa that men dominate the the, the 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 business and she said look i'm picking coffee 32 years from this local farmer who i was interviewing and none of us have ever tasted coffee even the farmers hadn't tasted coffee. So they asked us for a pour over. I could go into Aldi or Little and buy one for 12 quid and bring it over. So I've tried it three times. I've done three emails to get the bloody machine to this area. Now the place is in the middle of nowhere. But they've never tasted coffee. There's the difference of, I mean, it's like, it's like an Irish farmer never tasting milk or never tasting beef. Now maybe there was a time when we couldn't afford to eat beef back in the 30s or 40s, but that's the reality where it is so it is it is a lot of coffee is a lot of marketing and people get bought into the owners or the baristas or the other brand but they need a look behind it and they don't anymore and that's the problem that's where fair trade and all there's too many ethical brands and they didn't come together they should have collaborated and then they gave it to nestle and they gave it to Kraft and they were given to the devil that's the truth they are the most horrific companies to give anything to if you're in the coffee world how do you fix it I don't know. We questioned it when we were over there. We were trying to. We, one of the guys, Kieran, is 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 from Clonakilty. He's a brilliant. Um, he's a he's a coffee distributor. Of ours. He came up with an idea of do, doing a football field for them. They've no sport. They've nothing. And all the kids get involved in collecting coffee or picking the farm or the the, 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 the picking from the farms. They don't allow them to have their own farms because a farm needs two hundred trees to sustain a family, and how do you fix it you buy from Rohango and you buy people into it and we give money back and we pay a fair price all the time pay a fair price and that's the it's it's the transparency of that level and that's what's hard and how can you know
1: just consumers are going to pick it up their cup of coffee maybe once or twice or three times a day is there anything they can do to
0: you know at least make a choice I think if they ask I think if you ask I think if anybody who drinks coffee and you seem to like your coffee or you're based in London so you see so much coffee if you go you, you, you know but if you ask questions about the coffee and if it's not specialty coffee there is guys like us in the industry we will bamboozle you with bullshit and marketing and we will cover up all of the stories but coffee is a tough business and there's a lot of people in it but it's not getting any ba- it's actually getting worse for the farmers because there's a lot and they keep producing it quicker and faster than the consumers are drinking it. And I don't know what the answer is. There's too many children out in these places and that's another issue but that's that's nearly going on to a, a cultural problem. Does it take, I
1: suppose, a real world leader in the industry like, I'm thinking of Starbucks here, does it take them to actually take the initiative in terms of influencing how consumers yeah. act? Um, if Starbucks were to make a sing and, uh, song and dance about... Efforts they go to to ethically source their coffee will that put pressure on?
0: I don't think other players. I don't think they play that card. I think Howard Schultz has played. Um, he's played the minimum wage card really well in the states. He's played, um, which you, 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 unless you read about it, he's been brilliant for women um, who have children, women who want to get educated. He's given so many grants away. He's even tried to buy them property. I mean, he is the future president. If we could get rid of... or, or Sorry, we we don't own America. I'm not an American citizen. He will be a fantastic leader. And I think he a leader. He wants it, doesn't he? Well, I don't know whether he wants it or not. I don't think he... I, I, if I was anybody with the money he has, I think he needs to relax and take some time off. <laughs> but um, the ethics doesn't come up with Starbucks because they just do it as part of business. Why would you not buy ethical coffee? And he is a brilliant, he has become a brilliant thought leader or leader, full stop, because what he's done for his staff, what he's done for the hospitality industry in the States, like he's brought up minimum wage, it was horrific over there. The downside of that is now when you're going over the tipping culture in the States, it's gone off the scale and the price of food, because they're just landing it on the consumer. But um, no, I I, I think... You're quite a fan. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I would be, I would be in the big picture, yeah. Not not so much in the coffee drink compared to <laughs> the way it should be made or could be made I think they need to go back it's a step back but their speed their efficiency and their marketing machine exceptional every country I go to I mean even in Rwanda they were there um, but I mean it, you've got to give them credit you've got to give the even Bewley's i got to give credit for. if Bewley's weren't around I wouldn't have got into the coffee industry look like you've got to give the big guys unfortunately they built this business and the rest of us have have, have you know, we've all gained from it, you know. Um, we've been talking a lot
1: about the pace at which the coffee industry has, has grown over the last, well, in, in, in your career within it. Um, is it still, to a certain extent, in flux and evolving at a kind of a, a rapid enough pace? I mean, do you see any changes or many
0: changes on the horizon? Yeah, I tell you, Brexit is going to have an issue. And Brexit um, has and coffee. Co- yeah, well, it has a, has a it, I mean, you're living in London, so you see the chains closing down. So there's a big shift in what consumers are prepared to. F- food and coffee are very related. You rarely have, you, know, you do in the morning times, you do have a lot of coffee, but after that, there's food and coffee, or it's coffee and, it's either pastries or sandwiches or salads. So there is a change in the number of outlets opening up. There is a change in, um, the, Ireland is doing very well, but if Ireland gets a wobble, at which the UK looks like it's going through a huge change, And we will get an influx of businesses trying to make some money out of Ireland. And I think... um, That's a good thing. um, Yeah, but Ireland is too small. It does not need any more UK-based businesses coming in here. It doesn't need the restaurant chains. It doesn't need... I mean, Jamie Oliver's has gone through hell over there, but it's doing fantastic business in Ireland. The Ivy's going to open up in Dublin in the next four weeks. But the Ivy, the effect of the Ivy, and there's two other UK restaurants opening up, that takes away from maybe 10 or 15 stores in Ireland. So I think I think <laughs> I'd hate to see Ireland slow down. I think we'll do very well. But on the food hospitality side, there's a lot of businesses out there, and no one goes the lifestyle businesses. So it could get a slow it could get a slowdown. But is, is is there at the moment? There's a fanatical interest in coffee, in drinking it, in understanding it, in in buying it. Um, will it keep growing? I don't see any reason why it won't keep going because the health effect of coffee. In a male at my age or your age, well, I'm not guessing your age. <laughs> um, it's huge. Listen,
1: talk to me about other things that you're uh, you're up to because it's not just uh, coffee, is it?
0: No. Um, where where are we in the business? Um, we're doing very well in airline, so we've got Aer Lingus and British Airways. Fantastic growth there and great for the brand. And we'd love to see airlines around the world take on the coffee. So we're pushing hard on that. Rail, we're with Irish Rail. We shouldn't. Be, we could be with Scottish Rail. We should be with. Virgin we could be anywhere in the world with, with that because we have a very unique cup that we are super lit it's called that we we, we didn't pay we we, we we license it and we put our coffee which is monkey coffee into it it's a fantastic product we're doing very well on teas we're doing very well in the arch. we just spent about three or four hundred thousand relaunching the brand we won't open any more coffee houses we've won in Moses Street and one in Ballycoolan um, we do more origin trips now than ever because the truth is they're good fun they are brilliant to get back to realize where are the the roots of Java Republic is. Um, outside of that, you know, we'd love to get some export on the teas, which is doing very well. Our teas are really unique, um, hand stitched. There's nothing like the quality of them, and they're all organic. So there's a, there's a, there's a lot on. There's 90 people in the business. Mm. We've had a fantastic. Um, next year we're 20 years old. Doesn't feel like it at times, um, and we've had a very good run. You uh, you mentioned
1: there the name of the coffee that's sold on on the trains and on the planes monkey
0: monkey yes where, where did that come from monkey is spelled m u n k e y and i was on a trip to Blauen estate it was my first coffee trip when i set up the business i went through hell like i don't I used to never admit it but it was hell the first i think it was 9 months or a year and a half and i got a trip to um Java, East Java and it was through the, do you remember the SARS disease, you're probably too young to remember. No I do remember it well. So yeah. SARS you were told not to travel and I had very unusual key man insurance and I was told not to travel and I got this special deal all the way to East Java so I take three flights on a ferry over through Bali and I was going up through um, on the back of a truck on the way up to the Blown estate which is in a 3000 Muslims live on the side of this mountain, the most amazing piece of land I've ever seen and the most beautiful community. And I had Complan, I had a packet of digestives. And I may have bananas, because I think that would have survived if, if Complan, it, I was is on my kind own. of protein drink, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's for, for I shouldn't say, well, it is for old people if they're, if they're, maybe you're dying and you have to take it, you can't eat or whatever else, but it keeps you going. And I always carried that, a strawberry one. And these baboons came after that. Now, the, the jeep was going up 90 degrees, and the guy screaming at me, Get, let the bag go, let the bag go, but he didn't realise in the bag was my passport and I had cash, dollars, and I wasn't letting the passport go for any money because I knew to get out of there was hell, and they were very close, they were on the back of the jeep or the back of the truck, and they were trying to get the bag, and if they had bit me, he told me they were all rabied uh, monkeys, and I like monkeys, but I was trying to beat the shite out and get them off the back of it, whacking them with the bag. And when I came back, I called it Monkey, and we had a brilliant accountant called Mark Gary at the time, and he said, call it Monkey with a U. So it was very unusual to have an accountant come up with a creative idea, and that's what (laughs) Monkey was. So Monkey is a major part of filtered coffee, and if there was any view of I having coffee, and you and your earlier notes of coffee, I love filtered coffee. I used to say I'd write an article on Americano, because Americano was never supposed to be made, right? It was... it's too complicated to get back to how americano has come into our world but filtered coffee is the most clean crisp drink of all coffee drinks and it is my favorite we call it sulfur which is another story that i got out there It was probably the harshest conditions i ever saw guys working in a volcano working for a japanese company taking sulfur out and i actually got a box in the face because i didn't i took a photograph of them but i had no money to give them and they gave me a good box in the face and they were going to take the camera and those stories are, it, they're responsible for about 90% of the naming of the coffees. And then Vinnie are, is our coffee guru at the moment and Vinnie comes up with pretty much Central or South American names and Brazilian names and we've come up with really good Mitty Moto and Mestizo. So real names of coffees, but they're connected to people or poverty or wherever we get the influence But I was at the beginning, I had all the the names came out of experiences which was, was fantastic at the time. So
1: you've talked a lot about not wanting to sell up, um, and having that phone ring every every few months. I mean, what what do you want for the future?
0: Where do you see well, it going? Ernest Ernest and Young, when it, when it, and I'm here because of Ernest and Young, and you, this is a podcast connected to them. And I was in the Ernest Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award 2002. And when I look back, and I haven't because I don't even see the list of the guys who are in it, I know a lot of them. I'm actually, meeting one or two of them in the next couple of um, weeks. I just like to drive the business. There's a great team. There's a fantastic chairman. We're very focused on coffee, and we're the one, one of the, one of the only ones. Now we're seeing in Ireland, unfortunately, people see if you make money or you get big. You're seen as a colossal business in Ireland, but the turnover of the business this year we might do 15 and fifteen and a half million. So it's 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 still very modest compared to the coffee companies outside of mainland Ireland, the UK. The big the big companies. I want to drive the business. I'd love to see. I'd love to see it work export, which I have been poor at personally. And um, we got through the Great Escape in seven and eight, like we were nearly killed in in the recession because I'd spent seven and a half million on a plant and a roastery. So the coffee world, the tea world, it's still an exciting business. There's huge potential for it to grow. Um, and I'm going to stay in it. And I'll stay in it as long as I feel there is still some passion for me to drive it. If I felt that I was the wrong person to drive it, then I'd hand it over. There's still a lot of life in Dave McKernan I keep as fit as I can. Not as fit as I should be, but I keep as fit as I can. Um, and I want to keep driving it. Okay, very good. Dave McKernan. thank you very much. Thank you. Lovely to speak to you. Well, that
1: is it for the Architects of Business this week. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks in particular to our fantastic guest, David McKernan, our even more fantastic producer, Patrick Hawhey, and the equally fantastic team here at Joe. Our program is made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. You can go to their website, eoy.ie, to learn more about the finalists for this year. And indeed, don't miss out on past or future shows of the Architects of Business by subscribing for free on iTunes, on your favourite Android podcast app, or you can watch the show on YouTube. While you're at it, make sure to check out some of Joe's other podcasts, including The Hard Yards on rugby, the GAA Hour, and our movie show, The Big Review Ski. I'm Ty Genwright, and thank you very much for being with us today. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. The Architects of Business on Joe, in partnership with the EY Entrepreneur of the Year programme, telling the story of Ireland's leading entrepreneurs across the island of Ireland.